Here we go. Final seconds. Clutch is his name. Talking sports is his game. End zone. Touchdown with no time left. Pushing the limits. They win on the last play of the ball game. There are no limits. Are you kidding? Who can you count on to make the last thrower shot? Wow, and the game is over. Mikey Clutch. This is the final play. We are back in beautiful Chicago. I'm back in the studio. Off for a couple weeks, had to figure some things out. And guess what? They're figured out as you hear my beautiful sexual voice. Yeah, so sexy, baby. I'm just kidding. All jokes aside, man, the NFL does not disappoint, right? This is why it's king. Week one, wild, wild week one. A lot of teams with low expectations beating teams with high expectations. We kind of, you know, we always forget because the offseason feels so long in the NFL. It feels like we haven't had football for an entire year, uh, but, you know, February Super Bowl. And we always tend to forget week one always gives us some wonky things, right? I mean, last year you go, uh, the Jacksonville get their only win in week one versus an 11-5 and five Colts team, uh, how they finished and made the playoffs. So, yeah, we, we get some weird things in week one. Everybody's out the gate stumbling. You got rookies making their debuts and trying to learn on the fly. And the speed of the game just is completely different. So a lot of things are off rhythm and all that. But we have a great stack show. I mean, football season, we're finally here. We had some great matchups. But, of course, we'll give you that debt-free pick three. I'll give you my best three bets for next week's games, for week two, give you my clutch player of the week. I'm gonna say it's it's a it's going to two guys. All right, two guys, and then uh, yeah, I'll touch on you know the players returning from injury, players who got hurt, and I want to get into these uh, primetime games and the big matchups, and and rookies making their debut. Uh, why not start with these rookies? These rookies have had a lot of hype. In this offseason, since the draft, since before the draft, a lot of teams kind of knew who they were going to go for. And we saw in the preseason, I told you, uh, listen, I was not a Mac Jones believer. I thought he was going to be a bust. Zach Wilson, I have said, he's going to need time with that roster to figure things out. Trevor Lawrence, you know to me, I feel like is the best guy in that draft. Justin Fields, the second guy in that draft. And Trey Lance, who I, I think needs to sit this whole entire season behind Jimmy G., but I'll, I'll start with Mac Jones, okay? Very impressive week one. I, I know it was a lot of dump-offs and, and, and short throws, but this is why I feel the Patriots stuck with him and, and got rid of Cam. It, it, he already knows the playbook. He, he even said in his uh, you know press conference doing – what the game gives to him. But, yeah, here's Mac Jones. I'll already play this clip for you, all right? Tried to stick to what I was taught. And we can do a better job. I can do a better job just going through my reads and communicating. Um, so I'll improve on my communication and we'll make sure that we're better. It wasn't good enough. Man, spoken like a true patriot right there. You know, he. I thought he'd perform very well against the Miami defense that we all know is going to be tough to 
go up against this year. And that Patriots offensive line did really well. That Miami defense, though, only held they held them to 16 points. But you have to remember Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, two a year two. He he played pretty decent, uh, other than that wild throw that he just chucked up for an interception. That was a dumb play. And I think this is kind of what the Miami organization is seeing in practice. And the kid is still a little further away than they would hope uh, for a, a top five draft pick in, in last year's draft. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that ends up this season. But Mac Jones, he threw his first touchdown pass. They tried to give him the ball, and he didn't want it. Now, I know that might not be the biggest deal, but to me, that just shows that this kid is all about winning. I, I think he's going to figure this offense out. He's he's a very smart quarterback, okay? And with Belichick and Josh McDaniels coaching him up, he's going to do really well in this Patriots offense. And it's just a matter of time before he breaks loose and, and then he's going to start winning more games. I do love this Patriots defense. You know, they held the Dolphins to 17 points. I know they still lost, but they 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 looked really solid finally having some guys back and, and not out with these uh with the opt-outs for COVID. And they, you know, they they didn't look bad. It was a little rusty obviously for a week 1 matchup. You got a rookie rookie quarterback going at the helm for the first time. So there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some growing pains. But I liked a lot what I saw from Mac Jones. He didn't try to force the ball in there at, at all. He didn't have any interceptions. And, yes, he, he took what the defense gave to him. He, he he dropped, like, well, how Brady would always do in this offense. He would dump it off, and that's why I, I feel that's what Cam wasn't willing to do. Cam wanted the big plays. And Mac Jones is sneaky, sneaky good in the pocket. He can move around. Like he he was he was rolling around and, and he he's got some quickness to him that we didn't really see coming out because I mean look at the pocket he always had at Alabama. He, he was barely touched, if at all. So I, I just think that Mac Jones has the brighter upside for this season, just because of what's around him and the coaching that he has, and I, I just. Really impressed in week one against, in, I would say, an elite defense in, in Miami. So I'm looking forward to follow Mac Jones the rest of the season to see how else it turns out. And then I want to go, let's stay in that division. Zach Wilson going up against Sam Darnold. Darnold getting his revenge, baby. Yeah, Darnold got his revenge against his former team. I know it wasn't the sexiest of games, but overall, I, I thought Darnold played well. But Zach Wilson, now this is kind of what I was worried about with him. He, he's, he's really not as accurate as we, we saw at BYU. He's going to struggle getting the ball there. Yes, he had two touchdowns. He had an interception as well. But there is just some things he, he's got to figure out in the game. He's not going to have that separation. And, yeah, he looked good in preseason, but now he's going against starters in the Carolina D. Although 
progressing in the rebuild, they're still pretty solid. Okay, so I, take away from Zach Wilson, I, I thought that they could have easily beat this Carolina team. It was 19-14 to 14 for, for the Panthers. And now Zach Wilson has another uphill battle to climb because his left tackle, Makai Becton, out four to six weeks for surgery. So now he's going to be without the second most important position on offense, and that's the left tackle. So now we're we're gonna he's gonna be under distress a lot, a lot more, and he's going up against the Patriots and Mac Jones in week two. So we're gonna see these two guys battle it out next week, but it's gonna be tough because the Patriots' defense, as we saw, is a lot better, and they can manhandle this Jets' offensive line. Judon is a beast, so I, I expect. Some struggles, as I predicted, for Zach Wilson this year. Just with the beat-up offensive line and, and the defenses he's going to be playing. I mean, he's got the Bronx at Denver after that. You got a couple cupcake games with Tennessee and, and Atlanta, but then you, you're in Foxborough. You go up against the Bengals, whose defense really came to light last year, and they looked pretty damn good against the Vikings. Then at the Colts versus Buffalo's defense is kind of suspect. But it, it's it's no easy game. And then the Dolphins. So they got a tough stretch here. And Zach Wilson is not going to look like the number overall number two overall pick in this past draft. So that that's what I saw and that's what I expect from Zach Wilson. Now Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I know. You're going to beat me up because I predicted the Jags to beat the Houston Texans, who I thought were going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. And I here we go. You know, I'm going to make an excuse for Trevor Lawrence. I uh, was looking to see how Urban Meyer handled the first game, and th- this is going to be the issue. I, I don't think Urban Meyer is an NFL coach. He's a great college coach. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's different up here. I mean, Nick Saban, the best college coach of all time, struggled mightily. Granted, if he would have got Drew Brees, things might have been a different story, but we all know how that turned out. But back to Trevor Lawrence, he looked good. Listen, don't get me wrong. A loss is a loss against the Houston team that I expect to be bottom of the league. I don't think they're going to get many more wins after this one. And the Jags, I, I thought the defense would have been improved from last year. They looked out of sorts. Trevor Lawrence, three touchdowns, 332 yards, three picks. Yeah, he had three picks. Well, his stats are almost similar to Peyton Manning's first game. And Manning only had one touchdown. He had three picks, but one touchdown, okay? So let's pump the brakes on how he looked. He's going to figure this thing out. He's got great weapons on offense. DJ Chark, who I didn't think was going to play week one, ended up suiting up. You got Marvin Jones Jr., who who looked good. So he's got weapons in Chenault. I mean, Chenault, he's a great number three. So they, they they got weapons on offense. I expect him to look better week in and week out. He's just going to keep growing. Because he's that type of guy. And I wanted to read this quote from him after the week one loss because this is his first loss, I think, ever in a regular season. That includes high school and college football and obviously now the NFL. But after the loss, he's, I know I'm going to respond well. I'm made of the right stuff, so I don't have any doubt about that. But it's frustrating and I hate losing. I hate losing. So we're going to get better, but that's all you can do is watch the tape. Learn from it. 
get better, and move on. We've just got to stick together. That's the main thing. That's kind of in the past. That's over. It is what it is. We got to move on to the next week and stick together, so it's going to be good. Man, I love this kid, the way he talks. I mean, he's just, him and Mac Jones say the right things, and these two get me excited about the future of football. I I know I changed my two on Mac, Mac Jones real quick, but honestly, when you, you can tell in preseason if a guy's got it or doesn't have it, and I don't care. Like, Zach Wilson, yes, he was going up against number twos and threes and looked good, but it, to me, it's the eye test. The eye test it has to do it for me, and it, everything didn't really click on the eye test for Zach Wilson, even though he looked really good. But the eye test for Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence – Oh, it was right there. The throws they were making, the accuracy that they had. There were a couple drops from their teammates, so I, a lot of it didn't fall on them. But yeah, I I, I love the, his attitude on it, and he's gonna be fine. I mean, he's the one I'm least worried about in the worst situation, which is crazy to think, right? And now let's go to where the Niners played in Detroit with Trey Lance. Now, I'm going to get on this with the Bears and the Niners in a little bit. But Trey Lance, right? We expected him to back up Jimmy and not play. I, You know, they got these packages to where they're going to use Trey Lance. He ran the ball three times for two yards. Wasn't very helpful on the ground. And then he had that five-yard touchdown pass to... Sherfield, so I it's it's okay, right? You can't really judge him on that. And and Justin Fields, the same thing, had a rushing touchdown, had a five yard completion. It almost looked like Nagy and Shanahan had the same exact game plan for their rookie quarterbacks. But I'll get into those two deeper in a little bit. But what I wanted to after the rookie quarterbacks, let's get into these primetime matchups and the the games that I was really looking forward to and and spent my Sundays, my Sunday, Thursday, and last night watching. But we'll start with Thursday. What a game for the first game of the 2021 NFL season. I loved what I saw. You know, I wasn't, I, I came on or wrote in my article that I thought the Bucks were going to blow the doors off of the Cowboys and score 40 points. But credit to Dak and the Cowboys. They fought and stuck in that game. And Dak really shined in the return. I thought he was going to be super rusty. He barely threw a ball in preseason and and in camp because of the shoulder strain. And then after the ankle, he did look a little hesitant running the ball, but he he still was effective. And the throwing, I mean, he that offense is going to score points. They're going to have to. The defense gave up huge plays to the Bucs. And let me just tell you, Brady, he does it again. You can't leave time on the clock when facing Brady. I I know the defense stepped up and and stopped the Cowboys and forced them to kick that field goal, but you just can't do it with Brady. You just can't. You leave too much time, and and he he gets another comeback win in the fourth quarter. So the Cowboys D, which me and you have – Definitely called in the preseason that it hasn't gotten better. It's not going to look much better than last year, and this is why Dak's going to have to score points on that offense. But that that Bucks offense, Evans was non-existent 
and they move the ball with ease. With ease. I, you name it. Gronk had a phenomenal game. Antonio Brown looked like the Antonio Brown of old. Godwin stepped up. It, it seemed like Mike Evans is now the third guy on that team. I know this is an overreaction from the week one win. I, th- that team, it, it's just going to be too difficult to stop. It, you're going to have to cover four guys at once. If those four guys are on the field, and then you got Scotty Miller who, who can take you deep sneakily. So I, I just, I love what I see from the Bucks offense. Now that defense, they have some things to tighten up. I know a lot of people are saying they looked old, but relax. It's week one of the NFL season. They didn't even run Dak at or Zeke. I'm sorry, they didn't run Zeke at all. It felt like Zeke was Mike Evans, non-existent in that game. And Tony Pollard, I mean, he. I feel like Tony Pollard should be starting. And this goes back to the last couple years where Zeke has been out of shape and slow. And Tony Pollard hits the hole harder than Zeke does. And Tony Pollard just looks better, like a better, younger, fresh running back. And I think Dallas should give him more snaps and more touches. This guy can go deep and hit a hole and run it to the house. I don't understand why Dallas doesn't use him a little more. I know you paid Zeke all these dollars, and he's Dak's boy. But I'm sorry, Zeke is ah quickly came out of his prime. So I that's that's my take on the Cowboys. But again, watch out for this Bucks offense. This defense is going to start clicking. Todd Bulls will figure it out. As the weeks go on, you figure more teams out. You, you see more film. You're going to have everything on them. And I will I will give credit, though. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, he has been lighting it up. He, he Honestly, I think he, if they lose more games and McCarthy gets fired, you got to stay in house. I think Kellen Moore is your next Cowboys head coach because McCarthy just isn't doing it. Even from what I saw in Hard Knocks, oh, your mojo, your mojo, dude, you are corny as hell, and this is why Aaron Rodgers couldn't deal with you. So speaking of Aaron Rodgers, oh, his worst loss, I believe, as a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Yikes, thirty-eight to three. But I'll put some context and tell you. If you're a Green Bay fan, don't worry. Don't worry. This will all be okay. As, as Aaron Rodgers said, there's 16 games left. But, yeah, that was ugly win. But what did I tell you about this New Orleans offense with Jameis Winston? What did I tell you? He adds a dynamic that Drew Brees didn't have. Now the Saints have a deep ball game. Oh, my God. He threw it on a dime. I forgot. It was number 11. I forgot his name already. But, man, he, he it was a deep ball. It was right in right in his arms. And, and they got the touchdown off of it. And he just he looked good. Five touchdowns, right? First time since his rookie year he's done that. No interceptions. Zero. Big goose egg. A donut. No interceptions. And this is what I told you would happen. Those are going to be eliminated with Sean Payton, the second-best Offensive play designer in the league behind Andy Reid. And I would say Shanahan and McVay are third and fourth. And, and man, if Kellen Moore still keeps calling plays like he is, he, he he could jump up there. But back to the Saints and Packers game. Green Bay, Bakhtiari, probably top five, top three left tackle in the game. Is going to be out for half the season, basically. So, Rodgers, couldn't, he looked very... 
erratic, uncomfortable, under pressure. He couldn't do anything. You know, two interceptions, uh, no touchdowns. When, when do we see that from Aaron Rodgers? And, and maybe, you know, when Jordan Love came in and, and Rodgers went out, kind of thought, oh, can Jordan Love score some points? Nope. Don't worry. Don't worry, Rodgers. You, you were right on this Jordan Love thing. He, he's not ready. He's not ready because you would at least think that he can go out there and, and score a touchdown. But this Saints team, this roster is still the roster. They, they have a great defense. And the offense now with, with again, the new element of the deep pass, they're going to be a hard out. And, again, I, I think they're going to finish second in this division, but they're grabbing a wild card spot. The Saints are – I'm sticking with that. And this isn't an overreaction because I expected this. So, in my opinion, I feel like the Saints are where I thought they would be. I just thought Packers would be a little more competitive. But, hey, like I said, I was going to give it context. What happened last year against Tampa Bay versus Green Bay? 38-10. to 10. And it was Rodgers' worst game of the season. I'm not worried about it. He went on to win the MVP, 48 touchdowns. We saw it. We remember it. And I just, I feel like Green Bay is going to be fine. But again, I'm kind of worried about this whole Matt LaFleur thing. I, I don't know if Rodgers is the band-aid that kind of hides the owie or the boo-boo of what LaFleur really is because he, he doesn't impress me. And Arthur Smith was able to do a lot in Tennessee after LaFleur left. And now we saw Tennessee's offense after Arthur Smith left. It was not, not pretty against the Arizona Cardinals, who I still think are a little overrated, and I said Tennessee was overrated. So when I got two teams going against each other in week one that I thought are overrated, of course one's going to look good on top, and that was the Cardinals, who I still think are going to be fourth in this division. You know, D-Hop, last year, every time he went over 100 yards, they won the game, I think except for one, they were 7-1. and one. But anytime, like, he, he's inconsistent. D-Hop can go off crazy in one game and then – put up a dud the next. So we'll keep an eye on the Arizona Cardinals. But, yeah, the Tennessee Titans, what did I tell you? Julio Jones, big splash. Well, the main concern was that damn defense, and, ugh, they got mollywopped, mollywopped by the Arizona Cardinals. And, again, I just they can't score. Their offense is good. But it relies on Derrick Henry being able to run the ball when they have leads. When they don't have a lead, you got to throw the ball, and it puts a lot on Tannehill. And Tennessee, you're going to be in some shootouts this year. You're at Seattle next week, which this is going to be, I believe, one of my debt-free pick three games. I'll I'll decide on that in a little bit. But, yeah, I just I, I expected what I saw. On Sunday with Tennessee in Arizona. So, a lot of fun things. A lot of fun things. And then, I wanted to talk about, of course, my, my Niners against the Lions, which the score, and it got a little scary at the end there in the fourth quarter. The score was 41-17 to 17 at a point. Then, Jason Verrett, which I feel bad for. His career has been plagued with injuries. After injury, he was... Healthy for the most part last year. And, again, Shanahan said he, he had a good camp, and he looked good. But once he went out, I, it just went really downhill. And 
we got a fifth round pick put in the game and wasn't expected. We had some guys that, you know, Josh Norman we signed, but he he wasn't available for today uh, Sunday's game. So he he's going to be in there. We had to get depth at it, and now we need more depth because our best corner went out in Verrett, and now there's uh, rumblings of a Richard Sherman reunion. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But I was impressed. A fifth-round pick allowed one catch for three yards on 55 coverage snaps. I think it was Poirier. And he... Filled in the hole nicely, looked decent, and, uh, you know, didn't scare me. But, yeah, our our defense totally took a nosedive and gave up too many points. I know Greenlaw went out, Verrett went out on defense, and, and it was tough. And, and here we go, Raheem Mostert, he, he's going to Mostert, he, he's gonna be out for a significant time now, at least half the season on the, with his knee. But Elijah Mitchell came in, and this is what pissed me off about Shanahan last year. It's plug and play with running backs. It doesn't matter who's running the ball back there. With our offensive line, we can run over anybody. And Elijah, Mitchell, rookie, first game, 19 carries, 104 yards, 5.5 average. Average, 5.5. And this is what aggravated me last year because we have Nick Mullins in there and we're throwing the ball 40 times with Mullins and our running backs have six and seven carries for 5.8 yards a carry or, you know, five yards a carry. And then here we go. Jimmy Grappola, how many times did he throw in the game? 25. And look damn good. And, again, I'm going to get into the whole Trey Lance and Justin Fields thing after I discuss the Bears and Rams because I'm not, I'm not happy with the situation, but it is what it is because, you know, the, coach, the coaches have game plans and they want to utilize – a, a two quarterback system, which I'm just not not a fan of. And I'm sorry, I got that name wrong. I said poor year. It's a uh, Diamador Lenore. That's the rook fifth year fifth round rookie cornerback that the Niners drafted. He played really well. He played really well. And then again, Bosa. He came back. Bosa came back and. He almost got a sack on the first drop back against Penne, but then Penne really tied, tightened up because Penne, I thought after what we saw in preseason, Penne was going to struggle against Bosa, but he actually held his own. Only gave a, uh, Bosa only had one sack, but he had three tackles for a loss. That's what you love to see from your best defensive player on the field. I could argue Fred Warner's best player, but I think you know Bosa, just what he gives with the pass rush, too good. On the Detroit side of things, listen, Jared Goff looked like crap before that fourth quarter. He really did. Jared Goff was not moving the ball that well. But, you know, until the benching or the injuries and taking some guys out on the defense, he went 16 for 23 for 150 yards. And this is all after Verrett went out. And they had some gashing running plays, which we need to tune up on that defense of the Niners. But again, he, he really didn't let, look that good. It was 41 and 17, like I said, and then that fourth quarter, they had, you know, garbage time plays. So I wasn't too concerned. So the Niners, I think, are going to be fine. They're going to Philly, who everybody's high up on Philly because they, why do I, why do I always, why do I, the Falcons, 
I swear, are the... I've heard this from other broadcasters. I don't know why we all do it. We all pick Atlanta to take a step up and be a good team. And I, I had high hopes for Atlanta this season. I, I really did. But then I've, I forget, their defense is still so suspect. They have no, nobody good enough to cover anybody on defense. And, and we saw Jalen Hurts and that Philly offense take advantage of that. And the Niners go to Philly. Hopefully it's a different story from what Philly did last week. And the Niners can keep that momentum from week one. I know it got close, but, you know, here's Jimmy. You know, you got to remember that it's hard to get a win in this league. So at the end of the day, a win is a win. But you just want to finish better than that, I guess. I don't know. You can find kind of there's a relaxation a little bit on the sideline, I guess. And, uh, you know, some unfortunate things didn't go our way. But we found a way to pull it out. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a win, and we're happy with that. Damn right. It's a win, and we're happy with that. I'm happy with it. I know it looks sloppy, and it was frustrating at the end. But with all the cards in play and what had happened in the whole game, okay, we still got away with the win. We were up 41. We, got, we scored 41 points. This offense is explosive. Debo was a man on fire. Our running attack, no matter who's back there, is gonna, they're going to succeed. We just have too good of an offensive line to not be dominant in the run game. Just not. Okay, now let's go to Sunday Night Football. Bears fans, I'm sorry, but you had no chance. You had no chance. And it it is unfortunate because I do want to see Justin Fields in there. I don't want to see him on these little gadget plays and, and putting him in for... Uh, a freaking snap uh, and killing the momentum of a drive, just how the Niners did. Um, but I will say that they have bigger issues. This offensive line just keeps getting beat up, you know, and, and it's unfortunate. They, they bring in Jason Peters, veteran, who, dealing with injuries, okay, dealing with injuries last year in Philly and the last few years in Philly. He's just not healthy. And then he got hurt. He got hurt. And then his replacement, Larry Borum, got hurt. This Bears offensive line is depleted. Depleted. And I don't care. Kyle Long, if he would have decided to come back and play for the Bears and, and not go to Kansas City, I still think it would be the same situation. Kyle Long would have got hurt. And it, it didn't help going up against the best defensive player in the world. And Aaron Donald, I just it was, it was not pretty at all. Dalton sacked three times, threw a pick, I, and, and this is why we're clamoring for Justin Fields to get in there. Justin Fields is just I, again, it sucks because the Bears' line is terrible, but Justin Fields at least could run around a little more and be more mobile and, and get out of situations when the offensive line is this dreadful. You need a mobile quarterback. It's either that or Dalton's going to get hurt anyway, and then Fields is coming in. But Fields did get some time, and now here's where I'm going to bring up what I don't like about this whole having a rookie quarterback come in and and almost kind of kill a drive, it feels like. Uh, the, The Niners did this with Trey Lance. You know, Jimmy... 
converts a beautiful third and six to get to the five-yard line. I believe Muhammad Sanu picked up that third down. And then you bring in Trey Lance to give him a layup touchdown pass to Sherfield, who, you know, a five-yard touchdown pass. It's like, all right, well, don't do this to Jimmy. Like, he, he methodically moved the ball downfield with ease on offense, and then you put Trey Lance in, and it's like you're taking the momentum away from Jimmy, and Jimmy was slinging the ball all game, and he, he ended up still playing really well with the help of Debo Samuel, but still... I thought Jimmy, this is why I think Jimmy over Dalton should be the starter all year because Jimmy, I think, has more game and talent than Trey Lance at the moment. And then you switch over to the Bears. Yes, Andy Dalton is, listen, not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. He's just not. Jimmy wins 80% of his games, and again, he won on Sunday. And Andy Dalton, he lost. And it really it wasn't close, as I expected against this Rams team to eat up that offensive line and really not give a Bears a chance. But Justin Fields is, I think, already better, talented, more talented than Andy Dalton. And don't put him in wishy-washy with this, you know, bringing him down to the five again and brought him in. And he threw a five-yard touch, or not a five, he ran it in. It's like, all right, now you're killing Andy's. I think Andy, the situation with Andy... And Fields, I don't think Andy is accepting of it. And in San Francisco, I mean, you saw it in, in the post-game press conference of the final preseason game. They asked Jimmy, oh, do you know who the week one starter? He smiled and grinned like, oh, I have a really good idea. Because I think he he's with the plan. He, he said he's going to help out Lance and, and teach him, help him grow. This is the type of leader that Jimmy is. And because he's confident, he's confident that he he's a better player right now. And Andy Dalton, I just think, isn't a better player than Justin Fields, and he knows it. And I think that's why he kind of gets frustrated. His, his, his body language just doesn't tell the right story for me. But here's Nagy on, you know, tr- Justin Fields coming in. He got in there that he did well, and, you know, it being his first game. And uh, Andy, Andy did a good job, too, of helping extend some of those drives and us going through that whole deal of how it's going to go. But uh, we'll continue to, to keep growing with that stuff and see what we want to do uh, with that. But uh, in the end, I thought – and, again, I go back to that touchdown run. I mean, Justin did a, a great job. And then early in the game on the first throw, too, you know. So um, the film, going back and just watching the film in general, regardless of Justin or Andy – just in general to see where we were. I thought we got the run game going pretty good, which was good. But um, we got to use this to grow, and we got to stay positive. Yeah, use it to grow and stay positive. I I don't like what they're doing. It almost felt gimmicky. Like it, 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 Honestly, it felt like Nagy watched game film of the Niners game and was like, oh, I'm gonna, we're going to implement these plays that we practice in, you know, in training camp in this week leading up and yeah we're gonna talk do what the Niners did obviously they probably already had this game plan um being a homer I'm not the biggest Bears fan we know that but that's why I want to see Justin Fields on the field because this will make me become a Bears fan they just have a better shot with him you need a guy that can move around and extend plays and keep plays alive and not be a statue back there and give up sacks and field position. You just can't. Now, on the other side, oh, this is what I expected to see but didn't want to see. Matt Stafford, 
we all knew he was be- he was a good quarterback in Detroit. It's just the team built around him wasn't good. He didn't he I mean, yes, he had Jim Caldwell, but don't forget Caldwell won a Super Bowl with Manning. And Detroit, I just he's got a better coach in, in LA. And this is why they traded for him. Look at the arm strength. He is doing things golf could never do and probably will never do. I mean, 20 for 26, 300, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Matt Stafford's going to be damn good this year. I, it, it's refreshing seeing him get a fresh start and, and Jameis Winston getting a fresh start. It just sucks that he's in the Niners division. And it's going to be a tough out. The Rams, the Seahawks, the Niners. I mean, this is why, I mean, the Cardinals, don't get me wrong. I, I have them going eight and nine, but they're still, eight and nine's almost a 500 team. And that means you're going to win some games and be tough on some opponents. And this NFC West, wow. And, and the AFC West too. I, I, I think the Raiders are going to come down to earth after last night. But I, I still think the West divisions, they just look good. They just look good. They're eight, no, AFC West and NFC West combined. But I loved what I saw from Stafford. It just, it pains me that he's on the Rams. But good for him. New start, fresh start. Uh, all the luck to him. And the Rams, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be freaking good. The new dimension of that deep, uh, again, it's the, everybody's chasing Mahomes and Andy Reid and that Kansas City offense who just lights it up. And Mahomes, of course, does it again this weekend, you know. A freaking 10th comeback from 10 points or more in a game. And then he's now 11-0 and in September. 35 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Mahomes is just, he's, he's otherworldly. I just don't understand how to explain it. It's funny, though. Him and Jimmy G had similar plays, just kind of, they threw the balls up and they, they were floating ducks. But somehow Debo came down with it and then, Tyreek Hill, once he gets the ball, he, he's gone for that 75-yarder uh, for the Chiefs. But, yeah, I, everybody seems like they're chasing these guys. Like, these offenses, they need explosive plays. You need plays that, you know, 40-plus down the field. And we're getting a lot of those now in the NFL and 20, 20 yards downfield. Because it, you have a great offensive line, and they give you time for your receivers to get open downfield. I mean, th- those deep passes are open a lot on some of these soft coverages. And the Rams, now that element, they they don't run the ball as much anyway. I know Daryl Henderson, he, he ran for 16 times, but golf was best on the play action. And then if you give play action to Stafford on that deep ball, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be dangerous. They're a scary offense. They're for real. They're really for real. All right. Last night. Oh, wait, hold on. No, not last night. I did. This is funny. You know, he, he was very McVay. Sean McVay was very supportive of Jared Goff. And it's just different with Stafford. Just listen to him talk. And if you have time, look up his postgame pre- press conference while he's talking to Matt about Stafford. It's like, oh my goodness, he's goo-goo and gushing over Matt Stafford. He's smiling ear to ear. It's like this is the best thing he's ever had. And here's McVay on, on Stafford's performance. 
Um, but now I'm thinking about what an unbelievable job he did progressing, finding Robert Woods on the last touchdown. So there was multiple things, but I think the overall game management um, and I think the expectation, you know, it, you could just see there was a look in his eye. He had confidence in his teammates. He expected to play well. Um, and, in, you know, he did a great job. I was, it's, it's hard to say that uh, there was one thing, Jim, I, I loved everything that he did tonight. <laughs> oh my God. Get a room, get a room. But you know what? It, when these coordinators and these offensive geniuses get the right quarterback, it just adds another element that they never had, and things just look different. And the offenses just move the ball and and, and get big plays and, and dominate games. And with the Rams' defense, I still think they're going to be the best defense in the league this year. Only gave up 14 points. I, I know they got gashed in the running game because David Montgomery got overshadowed because of that loss and the offense not really performing well. But David Montgomery is the best player on that offense next to A-Rob. But David Montgomery, uh, you guys, even with that beat-up offensive line, he still went over 100 yards. So that's the bright spot. It's just the Bears are going to be playing from behind, so they're not really going to be able to utilize David Montgomery like they should. All right. Now we can fast forward to last night's game. All right. Lamar haters, chill out. He's a quarterback. The Raiders, which this is funny. I, you know, going into the game, I had a five-game parlay. I hit on four, four, four games and was waiting for the Ravens to cover a four-and-a-half spread. But uh, thank you, FanDuel, for letting me cash out. Because I was worried. It was 17-10, to 10 and they let me cash out that bet. It was a $10 bet. I think I was able to cash out at 100 And I did it because I the way the game was going, I had a feeling – the Raiders were going to come back and fight because Baltimore couldn't really move the ball as well as I expected them to. And that Raiders, wow, that pass rush, this Max Crosby kid, let me just tell you, I was impressed. Never even heard of him uh, until this year. But that was the thing. You know, they traded away Khalil Mack. They needed a pass rusher, had been looking for a pass rusher. And if this guy is that legit, that just... It helps this Raiders defense who, you know, have been struggling. And this has been the weak spot of their team. But Derek Carr, of course, does Derek Carr things. And he led them, was poised. He, he's got to be the most underrated quarterback in this league. He's held back by Gruden. I feel it's just he, they have the weapons on offense. There's just something about the Raiders that they, they're not winning. And, and Derek, David... David Carr. Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. I mean, he lit it up against that Baltimore's defense, who looked good in the first half. They were great in the first half. In the first three quarters, only giving up 10 points in the first three quarters. They're beat up in that secondary. I thought their secondary held their own for what they had on the field. And they... With all the injuries, they still impressed me on defense, the Ravens. I, I thought after those injuries, it was going to be tough sledding, but they still had a game plan. Wink Martindale, this is why he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. What he's got and what he's got to play with, they succeed. And everybody, you know, I've been on this Lamar train. Lamar is a quarterback. He is an elite quarterback. He had a 98.6 Passer rating, not that QBR BS that ESPN likes to do because, I don't know, for some 
reason Dak and Brady didn't have 80s uh, on the QBR in their game. It's just dumb because Brady's two interceptions were not his fault, really. I mean, one was a Hail Mary in the back of the end zone, and the other was off the hands, off two hands of Leonard Fournette, who we all know has trouble catching the ball. And, of yeah, anyway, and then Brady's three throws in a row that were out of bounds just to kill some clock. So, uh, anyway, I'll get off of Brady. I think he's going to be the MVP. Uh, back to this game. Lamar Jackson played phenomenal. I thought he played really well. That offensive line beat up. I mean, they had to trade away Orlando Brown Jr. because he wanted to play left tackle like his dad. They traded him to the Chiefs. And they bring in Anthony Villanueva, who proved to me, proved me right. He looked old, slow, couldn't keep Crosby in front of him, gave up some sacks, and Lamar was just under pressure all game, and yet leads his team down for a field goal. I know they left a minute and 12 seconds left, which is an eternity for Derek Carr, who's phenomenal in the fourth quarter. And I just think the biggest play in this game in in OT after the lucky tipped interception as the Raiders were on the goal line, on the five, on the five, ready to score and win this game. Throw, you know, Carr throws the ball, it gets tipped, it gets picked. And now the Ravens have a chance to drive down and win this game. And Lamar does that. He drives down, he drives down. Second and seven. He throws the ball up, short up the middle to Mark Andrews, who should have caught the damn ball, drops it. Now it's third and seven. Of course you got to throw on third and seven. And then Nassib comes and strip sack. And fumble recovered by Raiders. And it takes two plays. A phenomenal play call by Gruden. I'm sorry. that that It almost reminded me of last year's game uh, against the Jets that got Greg Williams fired. But Zay Jones... From Derek Carr, 31-yard pass, he was wide open, and the rest is history. So I felt like Mark, Mark Andrews, that drop pass on second and seven is what cost the game because if you make that catch, you could be running the ball on first down, and this sack might not have it wouldn't have happened. The sack wouldn't have happened in the fumble. So, yeah, it's on Lamar because he fumbled the ball, but I still thought Lamar played really well. He, he was... 60, what, 65%, 64% throwing percentage, which is really good. I know a, a lot of guys threw 70% and near 70% this whole weekend. But I, I just thought the Raiders, you know, brand-new stadium, first time playing there with all their fans, season opener, Monday Night Football. You know, Gruden used to call these games, and it just – they had a lot of fight in them, and this game, listen, Baltimore is still going to be here. They're going to be one of the best teams in this league. Raiders, we saw this last year. I mean, they beat the Saints early and then didn't make the playoffs. I, I like what I saw from the Raiders, though, on defense, that really containing Lamar for the most part. I know it didn't really seem like it towards the end and in the beginning, but they held their own. And that Max Crosby, if... If he continues on a tear like this, oh boy, oh boy. This Raider defense has something. They have something. All right. Well, what else? We got 
players returning from injuries, having big games. Christian McCaffrey, almost 100 yards receiving and rushing. You got Dak Prescott, who balled out against that Tampa defense. Nick Bosa getting a sack in his return. Saquon didn't do too much. That's fine. Derwin James back. And Chandler Jones, I mean, talk about a comeback. Five sacks, two forced fumbles. What is he on pace? He's on pace for what? 85, 85 sacks? <laughs> and Winston's on pace for 85 touchdown passes? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm jo- that was a joke. Don't take that seriously. But, yeah, I, I thought the guys that returned from season-ending injuries last year and, and being held out for extended time really looked good. They really did, except for Saquon. But I think Saquon's going to take a little – they're kind of babysitting it. And plus, I mean, was I not right about Daniel Jones? And, and he continues – to make me right on, on the take that he should not be a starting quarterback. Didn't he fumble again? They were down by a lot. All those weapons on offense. I mean, come on. The Giants, get rid of this guy. He doesn't give you the best chance to win, and you're blowing it with this defense that you have. You're blowing it. The defense is phenomenal. I don't understand. I don't understand why Joe Judge trusts this kid at all. It's He shouldn't be playing. He really shouldn't be playing. Coolest thing I saw, the coolest thing I saw this weekend, I don't know if you have Instagram, but if you do, check out that mixed reality Panther that the Carolina Panthers debuted. It was kind of freaking cool. It looked badass, like this Panther jumping around the stadium, grabbing the Jets flag, eating it, jumping on the field. Uh, I hope he didn't crush anybody in the making of that, but no, it it was... uh, it was it was cool to see on Instagram. Go check it out, the uh, Mixed Reality Panther that the Carolina Panthers debuted. But, yeah, we had some injuries, though, as well. So we had guys come back, and then players hurt. Ryan Fitzpatrick on the IR with a hip injury, six to eight weeks out. Jason Verrett, I believe, tore his ACL. Most hurt out at least six, eight weeks, or sorry, eight weeks. Jason Peters out. Uh, as I mentioned, Larry Borum, his replacement, exited the game as well. Trent Brown out for the Patriots. Another big one, Mekhi Becton, the left tackle for the Jets, protecting Zach Wilson, out for four to six weeks for surgery. And, you know, in the Niner line game, the cornerback, Jeff Okuda, man, he, he's a baller, but he is out for the season with a torn Achilles. I just, I, I feel bad for these players who, who fight back. And, and, and then these players who, you know, they, they're just they're good players, and then they get hurt, and they fight the injury bug, it feels like, their whole career. Uh, but fast forward, let, let's go to week two. I want to give you some games to watch out for. Thursday night, I mean, it's the only standalone game. I, If it was on Sunday, I wouldn't even tune in. It's the New York Giants at Washington football team. The Giants up against another great defense in Washington. So I, I, I feel Daniel Jones is going to struggle against this front, and that offensive line for the Giants is not good at all either. They're going to struggle against Washington, but luckily for the New York Giants defense, they're going up against Taylor Heineke, who's going to get the start. So watch out for this game. It, it might be closer than we expect. I still think Washington's going to come out on top. But for the Sunday matchups, let's look at, I got, I, I got 
some good potential matchups. Uh, not potential, actual matchups, but for some potential good games. Let's take a look at the Rams at the Colts. That's going to be noon. I like the Bills at Miami at noon. Then l- let's see what happens here uh, with Dallas at the Chargers. I mean, Dallas is for real. Um, but then Kansas City, Sunday night at Baltimore. Oh, and I forgot about the other 325. Tennessee at Seattle. Listen, at Tennessee, with all the hype that they had with the signing of Julio Jones, ooh, and, you know, I just, this defense sucks. So I, I think that's going to be a big game, Seattle, and they always look good in the beginning of the season. Russell Wilson's always the top of the MVP talk. We'll see what happens when the season ends. But I think this is going to be another big game. Just like what they did last week against Indy, who's a better defensive squad, I think Seattle's going to run all over Tennessee. And it's going to, I feel like if I had to pick a blowout in any game this week, I think that's the one, Seattle and Tennessee. But I I think that Sunday night game is going to be a great Sunday night game. It's Kansas City at Baltimore. In that stadium, those Baltimore fans get rowdy. Let's see what happens. I know Lamar, he hasn't beat Mahomes yet. Uh, let's see if he can get his first win. Uh, and then Monday night, again, I, it's not that thrilling. But it is Green Bay and Rodgers. They have to bounce back from this blowout loss, which I think they're going to come back fighting against Detroit Lions. Now, like I said, we got our clutch players of the week. To me, without a doubt, it had to be, you know, I had this figured out before last night's game. But last night's game happened. So now I have two new clutch players of the week. And I'm going with Derek Carr and Ty Jones. Like, you can't. That's the game-winning play of the game. It ended the game after that play. That was clutch. Good job, Derek Carr and Ty Jones for that one. But you know what time it is, baby. We don't do anything illegal. Debt free, pick free. Look what I found in my pocket. Look, a year's salary right here. Is what I call them? A fun coupon. This is the Debt Free Pick 3 on the final play with Mikey Clutch. Yeah, it's time for the Debt 3 Pick 3. And why not be a homer? <laughs> and I'm, I'm putting the Niners in this one. I am putting the Niners in this one. But I got some other good picks I want to add. So I, I'm basically going to give you a, a three-game parlay. I always do a three-game parlay. It's just a nice, easy payout. Uh, so, who I'm going to include is a team that I just called for the biggest blowout. The Seattle Seahawks are minus five and a half at home. They went seven and one last year at home without fans. That 12th man is coming back against the Tennessee defense, who is going to be giving up a lot of points this year. So, I got them minus five and a half. And I got the Niners. Yes, two East Coast games are always tough, but. Shanahan's keeping them on the East Coast. They're going to be used to this time zone. And they're going against the Philly, Philadelphia Eagles team who benefited from playing the Atlanta Falcons in week one. I think they're going to come down to earth. Even with the injuries the Niners have, 
That, that's a minus three and a half for the Niners. And then I'm including it. Mac Jones going up against Zach Wilson. Like I mentioned earlier, Zach Wilson's offensive tackle, left tackle, Makai Becton is going to be out. And with how fierce this Patriots defense is, and Judon coming off the edge against a backup left tackle, I think the Patriots are going to eat. And we know what Belichick does with rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks in their first couple years. He, he kind of held to a, a little bit, but Miami got the best of them. I think Mac Jones is going to have a beautiful game. And the Patriots, I'm taking a minus five and a half for a three-game parlay. So if you were to bet $100, you're taking home 598.92 or 92 cents. Wow, 5, $598.92. $5, so, yeah, that's my debt-free pick three parlay. Seattle Seahawks minus five and a half with the San Francisco 49ers minus three and a half and the New England Patriots minus five and a half. Go win you some money. And then next week, of course, break down week two. We'll see what teams come back from a week one loss, what teams kind of are phony from a week one win, and we'll have it all next week for you on the final play again. I am Mikey Clutch. You have just tuned into the final play with Mikey Clutch on ChicagolandSportsRadio.com. It's not just sports, it's a way of life. <laughs>